2: Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you listen, whenever you're watching. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.saldsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. I'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Go all the way to St. Simon's if you don't live near there for an authentic Italian meal. That's what I do. So uh, don't miss it. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Holiday Inn Properties. That's right. If you're traveling anywhere in the United States, make sure when you're ready to go see peace that you stay at a Holiday Inn property. Not only is it a great place. But you get a Billy C. discount. What's better than that, man? Listen, make your reservation today for any Holiday Inn property. Just dial toll-free, 844-603-0364. 844-603-0364. Or if you like me and can't remember numbers, just go to our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Holiday Inn banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Badest Men on a Planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told um coming up a little bit later uh in the week uh like tomorrow uh we'll be doing our blast from the past this week's blast from the past Uh, former multi-division world champion, and I don't know, what do we call him, Uh, a guy that a a movie was about? I I don't know, Vinny Pazienza is who we're going to be talking about tomorrow as per request, so uh, make sure you uh, tune in for tomorrow's show. We also are scheduled to have Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard join us, as he usually does on Wednesdays. Um, Today, I got a bunch of stuff to talk about, uh, but we're going to start off with our post-fight shows. Um, concerning the, uh, the big fights from this past weekend. I got uh, Dax Kahn scheduled to join us in a little bit, uh, and also uh, uh, Sal, Rocky, Senacola. But first, um, let me uh, start off by saying this. Let's kick it off with Daniel Jacobs' fight. The Daniel Jacobs' uh, fight uh, between him and uh, Masik Selinski now, you know, thank God, I, 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 a, funny thing hap- a funny thing happened to me while I was trying to watch that fight. The first thing was, you know, I, I had my DVR set, and the next morning I, I get up, you know, I get up at 4 in the morning, so I wanted to watch I didn't know the results or nothing because that's the way it is. And I look on my DVR, and it didn't record. It recorded it in HBO Latino. So here I am, I'm starting to watch the fight in Spanish, right? Which, you know, I found interesting because I didn't have to listen really or pay attention to to the BS that usually comes out of the uh, announcer's mouths, right? But then it cut off after the second round of, uh, of, of Daniel Jacobs. So luckily, HBO always replays uh, the fights early in the morning. So I was able to uh, uh, watch it. And I learned that the pronunciation of, uh, which I thought was Saluki's last name, is Salinski. It has a silent N and S. Okay, you know, uh, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, uh, Daniel Jacobs uh, improved to 34 wins and two losses with 29 of his wins coming by knockout uh, in a pretty entertaining fight. Uh, Salinski uh, dropped his first fight of his career, 26-1 and one now, with 10 knockouts. The way the judges scored it, 116-111. 117, 110, and 115, 112, all in favor of Jacobs. Um, you know, it, it, it depends how you, you, you looked at the fight because Zelensky was counterpunching very effectively in this fight. If the guy had more pop behind his punches, uh, I, I think it would have been a different fight. I also noticed some things about Daniel Jacobs. He looked so big uh, in his fight against Triple G. Not so much against uh, Selinsky. Now, I don't know if Salinski was was bigger than he looked uh, or what, or if it was just this time Daniel Jacobs actually had to make the weight because, if you recall, he didn't even try to make the weight uh, the last time. So uh, I thought that it was an entertaining fight. Uh, Daniel Jacobs, hey, what isn't there to like about him? Joining me right now to get his thoughts on that fight is uh, Sal Rocky Senecolo. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How are you today, buddy? Not too bad, my friend. What did you think of Daniel Jacobs against Solinsky?
3: Well, what can I say? I think Daniel Jacobs just shows why he's one of the guys on top. Uh, I thought he did a fabulous job. And I'll tell you what, though. I became a big fan of Zelensky. I, uh, I liked what I saw with him. He is definitely a combatant, and he... Uh, was striving to win that fight and he uh you know even though i even scored about 116 111 or so but i think the fight was a lot closer than what the scores may reflect what i mean by that is selensky was in the in the in the fight and and as you suggested if he had a little pop in his punch it might have been a different story but daniel jacobs did a fabulous job as we would assume that he would have done and he he rose to the occasion he did what he had to do
2: that's a win. A win is it's a, win. a win.
3: A win is a win.
2: You know, and and, and you, it makes you wonder. You know, you we're always talking about uh, fighters that uh, uh, will, uh, you know, step in the ring and it appears to be a, a, an easy opponent, and then all of a sudden they're in a tough fight. That's why we're always saying about the, the risk versus the reward. I personally did not think that this fight was going to be – as entertaining and somewhat competitive. Now I say somewhat, Sal, because like you, I was impressed with Zelensky, but I don't. I don't know if I agree with the close score. I I, I know that they were trying to make it sound like that, especially Max Kellerman. I mean, you know, he's he's become the guy who disagrees with Harold Letterman, and then you know, uh, you never know about the judges, etc. Almost et cetera. like you and I. Yeah, almost. <laughs> but but you know, the funny thing is is uh I I didn't see it close I I thought that that Jacobs landed uh the faster punches I mean the harder punches but I did I I, call me crazy but I thought I noticed a lack of hand speed from Daniel Jacobs something that has always impressed me that he does have hand speed did did you notice that or was it just Zielinski's awkward looking style because he seemed kind of awkward looking in the ring not that he was delivering his punches uh, awkwardly but he just seemed to have an awkward style I, I don't know maybe it was just his look
3: well you know that's a good combination of, of of possibilities right there because and as i suggested even though i scored the fight you know 116 111 i overall looked at the fight i thought it was a little closer or evenly matched not I mean, Daniel Jacobs was dominant. don't don't be uh, don't misunderstand me. But I think he was in the fight a little closer than what those score would reflect. And I think that Zelensky's style, I mean, he was right in that pocket. He was not afraid to trade and and I think that's what made Daniel Jacobs think twice with delivering some of those punches because he knew that uh, even though uh, Zelensky didn't look like he was going to hurt him, uh, definitely he could have uh, hit him at at times when Daniel Jacobs would be. Uh, using some of those hands But uh, I, I thought it was a great fight for both fighters I think it was a good showcase And Daniel Jacobs, like I said You gotta love Daniel Jacobs There's not too much to dislike there Now
2: the other fight on that card That uh, we had to f- be forced to sit through <coughs> Excuse me, was Jarrell Baby Miller uh, He improved to 21-0 and 0 with a draw When he won a unanimous decision over Johan Duopards, who drops his fifth fight. He's now 37 5 with 24 knockouts. Uh, There was an elimination title uh, on the line. They call it an elimination title now. Um, I'm sorry, 119 109 twice, 117 111. Here's my thoughts. All right. First of all, I've been very critical of uh, Jarrell Baby Miller and his physique. all right. Um, is he a fat bastard? Yeah. Uh, can he not pass a, a buffet? No, he can't. Every time he sees a buffet, he's, he's got. Is he, is he a frequent uh, donut flyer at, at Dunkin' Donuts? Yes, yes. They, they, they give him his seven dozens of donuts every time they see him. But with all of that said, with all of that said, I will tell you this. He moves around pretty good. In the ring, I mean, this is a guy. This is a guy that weighed three hundred and four pounds. Three hundred and four. I think it was twenty pounds heavier than his last fight. And yeah, he he had some jiggling going on. He had a little jiggly puff going on. Uh, and, and, and you know, uh, when you get old, you call them love handles. When you're still a fighter, you call it fat. But whatever. But I will say this: he seemed not to tire. Um, and, you know, if, if he's that kind of a guy, if 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 he can go 12 rounds because he seemed still fairly fresh, in my opinion, at the end of the fight, then more power to him. Uh, you know, I, 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 his performance was dominating. But my question to you, Sal, is how much credit do we give him for beating Johan Duapaz? Johan Duapaz is got, first of all, he's slow as molasses. He's basically like... A human punching bag, a human heavyweight, a human uh, he- heavy bag that can move around a little and punches back a little. He is extremely slow, not only on his feet, but his hand speed. But I have never seen a guy takes so much punishment and is this guy and and i, I mean it's just it's amazing it's sad i you know you wonder w- what kind of shape he's going to be in, in in fairly quickly after his boxing career but i mean how much credit do we give miller i mean this is a guy calling out anthony joshua this is a guy that says he's the best heavyweight in the division how much credit do we give this guy for beating johan duopards and oh by the way has not really fought anyone of, of note yet what, what's your thoughts
3: Well, you know, you made some good points just right now, and and I I think valid points. And, you know, for a big man, as Miller is, he was on his toes. He was supple. He moved. He he had decent speed in his punches, and uh, he was very dominant. And, yes, if you wanted to showcase a fighter and uh, you wanted an ideal opponent where you can uh, bet he's going to probably waltz through a nice night and have a durable uh, punching bag as your opposition, well, unfortunately for Duopause, he would be that definitive guy. And uh, he, he went out there. I'm sure he had a different intent. But uh, in the end, I, I even scored the fight about 119 and 109. And uh, Jarrell Miller, all I could say is uh, my hat's off to him. He did a decent job against Duopause. But I will tell you this. I pictured him in a ring with an Anthony Joshua and with my buddy there, Deontay Wilder. And I would see, uh, I don't see the fight if Jarrell Miller was to go in a ring with either of those fighters. I don't see the fight going past eight rounds. And I see uh, Jarrell Miller being stopped or knocked out bad by either one of the champions.
2: Yeah, well, it's, you see, this is the problem with the sport. You let a guy like Miller climb the ranks Literally, by facing no one. And, and you can make the argument about Deontay Wilder, too. But Deontay Wilder has that punching power that Miller does not. But then again, Miller does possess some some boxing skill that, that I, I feel Deontay doesn't. But the truth of the matter is, is one of the issues I have with the sport is the fact that a guy like baby Miller can even climb the ranks and be in the discussion to challenge Deontay or, or AJ as a world heavyweight uh, title challenger when they haven't proved that they could beat any top fighter yet. You know, that, that's my problem, Sal. You know, y- years ago and, and when boxing was in his heyday, you climbed the ladder. You earned that shot. I can't honestly say that, you know, and focusing just on uh, Jarrell Miller, that he's earned a shot at either of the belts, I, I, as, at, or I should say, either of the champions, I, I, I just,
3: I just don't feel that that he has. Well, he's on top of the ladder as, as those uh, you know climbing status uh, would allow. He's he's on top there, and uh, these title elimination fights and, and the different rungs of the ladder you have to you have to keep continuing on a path to beat and to, to get up, up there in a the contention. I mean, he's done it, and, uh, you know, whether we like it or not, he's he's going to be in a position. Uh, and no disrespect to Jarrell Miller because, you know, as we suggested, he, you know, for a big guy, I saw him on his toes. He was in very good shape. And sometimes guys just that big, they're used to carrying that weight. And you know what? If he lost 30 pounds, he probably wouldn't be the same fighter. So he, uh, my hat's off to him. He's effective with what he does and, and how he does it. But I just think if he was to step in the ring um, for a title fight against uh, Deontay Wilder or Anthony Joshua, and I could be wrong because any given night, you know what could happen. But I do not see him having much success as he did against Duopause. I would almost see that these guys would have him in a a uh, situation, baby Miller. Um, also on that
2: card, uh, we only got to see, at least for the television broadcast, we only got to see some highlights. But uh, in a unification female fight, uh, Katie Taylor, she looked impressive. This, this girl is the real deal. Uh, she fights uh, uh, very well. She improved to uh, 9-0 and with four knockouts when she won a 10-round unanimous decision over Victoria uh, Bustos, who drops to uh, 18-5. 99-91, twice, 98-92. Uh, so she uh, uh, defended her WBA championship and picked up uh, the IBF uh, title as well. In the most exciting fight of the weekend, in my humble opinion, <laughs> I know um, what you gonna say Billy Isaac T. Dog Bay. Now now the one thing I did pick up this weekend uh, was the proper pronunciation of some yes. of these names. I, I thought it was Dog Bow. Uh, same thing. I thought uh, Selinsky was so Uh, but, uh, you know, learned because, uh, you know, obviously uh, you would have to assume that the uh, the commentators would learn how to pronounce uh, the names. But uh, uh, Isaac Dog Bay improved to 19-0 and with 13 knockouts when he upset, and it was clearly an upset in my opinion, oh, yeah. of Jesse Magaludanio, who loses for the first time in his career. He drops to 25-1. and If you guys missed this fight, Go check it out. Now, it wasn't a display of the sweet science. It wasn't watching somebody uh, float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. This was a downright backyard, let's-see-who's-the-tougher-guy kind of a fight. And I have found a new fighter that I have fallen in love with, and that is Isaac Dogbay. This is a guy, this backdrop story, I honestly knew nothing about him. The backdrop story, his pops trained him, didn't know nothing about boxing. You know, uh, picked wow. up, learned themselves. And uh, the guy uh, fought most of his career uh, in uh, Ghana where, uh, uh, you know, his opposition w- was unknown. I-, I really didn't know, but he he talked a lot of smack. And, uh, you know, he came in the ring and he put it on the line. Uh, he was rocked by Maglidaneo, Uh Magladanio in the... Uh, uh, early in the fight, and came back and and rocked Jesse himself. Uh, Jesse, I don't know what Jesse was thinking when he's like egging him on. It was like when Jesse was hurt, Sal, he couldn't let his hands go, and he was trying to. I, I don't know what what it, what it. Uh, hold that thought because I got to take a break. But I want you to I want you to try to explain to me what what he was doing because. He was clearly in trouble, in my opinion, and was egging Dog Bay on. But uh, hold that throat. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back.
0: Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
2: And uh, we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Just before we went to break... Uh, we we're talking about the uh, Isaac Dog Bay against Jesse Maglidaneo fight. And uh, I just asked you, Sal, what was Jesse Maglidaneo thinking when he was in all kinds of trouble and he was doing the mano a mano trying to get uh, Dog Bay to attack him more? And what I liked about that was that Dog Bay obliged and beat the snot out of him a little
3: more. What, what, what was he thinking, man? well you know that's just it what do you think when you're in that position i mean you're on the receiving end sometimes your instincts take over from your game plan and and uh obviously uh he was hurt maglidano dan you know he did take it what, what do he have off uh, over a year uh so it was a probably a little while since he got his bell rung last and uh Um, he did what every fighter in that position well not every fighter but a lot of fighters do is say hey you didn't hurt me I'm fine get over here come on come on wave him on and as you suggested yes he was obliged by uh, having Dog Bay just jump on him and and I'll tell you hit him with a barrage of punches at at any time uh, when he egged him on Um, Magladano did have his moments and uh, he did fight back he you know as you, you also said he dropped dog bay down in the first round but uh from that point on it was a a dog fight on dog bay's side he just came at him like uh like uh hey i'm gonna show you tonight tonight is my night and for Magladeño, it uh proved to be not
2: you know normally a a fighter that's trying to show his opponent that you didn't hurt me that kind of thing which i agree with you on it, it just seemed like it was deeper than that. Not because he wasn't even his hand he wasn't able to throw any punches he was egging i'm talking about megalo he was egging dog bay on and dog bay came in and 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 was throwing the punches but you know generally when a fighter is trying to pretend like they're not hurt they at least give you something back and um he wasn't It, it was almost like you know you you the referee could have waved that fight off and and really uh Jesse couldn't have complained. I I, I don't know. It was an extremely entertaining fight. All I can say is this, I want to see more of Isaac Dogbay. I mean uh at uh 20 and 0 now, um you know, uh, this is a guy that's uh, or maybe 19 and 0. Uh this is a guy that I want to see uh, a heck of a lot more.
3: I I I, I really do. I ho- I hope we get to see him sooner than later. Well, I hope so too. I think a star was born. I mean, he uh, definitely he went in there and and uh, you know he, we saw what the champions do. They come back. Uh, he was dropped. He came right back. He was in the fight. I had him. I had him pretty much. Uh, even though it was a close, competitive fight, he was leading up until uh, that eleventh round when he did knock out or stop uh, uh, Jesse Maglidano. So uh, I'll tell you what, he uh, he had a great opportunity to show. The world of what he was about and what he could do and guess what he rose to the occasion billy C, and he did put on a display that uh, n- there's not too many people here that can question nah. he, was a, he, he did a great job i loved each of these both of these fighters in a fight staying in a pocket being invasive slipping some punches but delivering others and great counter shots too it was a great fight yeah well you
2: know what that's how you win fights uh, you go in and you know you fight, you know, and that's what these guys did. Uh, it, was, it was I loved the fight. Also on that card, Brian Jennings. Uh, you know, this was a heavyweight that I, I really loved at one time. Um, he, he was climbing the ranks. He, he. I always would describe him as a combination of Michael Spinks and Evander Holyfield. He was in great shape. Was awkward, uh, smaller than most of the heavyweights today. But man, could he? Uh, could he get the job done? Uh, he's uh, uh, World title shot Against Vladimir Klitschko Came up short But he went to distance And then in a fight That I was ringside for He fought Luis Ortiz Luis Ortiz Knocked him out I mean viciously And since then Brian Jennings Changed uh, management teams And he's been carefully Moved since then He fought Another Philly fighter In Joey De Wedgco, uh On the undercard Of the uh, Dog Bay uh, Maglidaneo fight And Um I, I tell you what, uh, Joey Dujetsko shows a lot of promise, and I was saying this last week. I wish this guy would fight at a lower weight class, although he did weigh substantially over 200 pounds. And eh, if you look at him, there's 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 some room for for slimming down, because I think if Joey Dujetsko was fighting at cruiserweight, he would be way more successful. Uh, he's in there with monster guys that have now, now not so much on on Saturday with uh, Brian Jennings, but generally with monster guys that are just too much for him uh, size-wise. But he can let his hands go. He's he's uh, sneakingly fast with his hands. It wasn't enough to to beat up Jennings. However, I thought that Brian Jennings looked slow. I did not think that this was the same Brian Jennings that I watched fight Klitschko and watched fight Ortiz and watched fight, you know, guys that that he looked good against. He just seemed he seemed slow in there. But nonetheless, he got the win. And uh, the way the uh, judges scored it, 98-92, all three of them uh, in favor of uh, Brian Jennings. Sal, what was your thoughts on this fight?
3: Well, I saw some of the highlights of this fight. And uh, just as you suggested, I mean, Brian Jennings... You know, he did what he had to do to win. And uh, Dovichko, I think, uh, you know, if he's, if he's in against some real big, as you would suggest, super heavyweights, he, he, he's going to have his hands full. But uh, maybe a cruiserweight division might be a nice place for him. But uh, Brian Jennings did what he had to do. He, he won the fight. And uh, from what I saw on there, he it looks like he's still getting back uh, what he uh, hopes to, to start progressing along and, and getting on the right path for a title shot.
2: Well, you know the thing is, is uh, you know as the heavyweight division is unfolding and and you know look we're looking at I mean everybody knows the top two guys but the rest of them are all in that mix. I, I see Brian Jennings seemingly aged, and uh, since the last time I saw him, even in a losing effort, the last time I saw him was to fight me personally. The last time I saw him live was to fight against Luis Ortiz, and uh, he looked way better in that vicious knockout loss than he has since then. So uh, we'll have to keep our eyes on uh, uh, Bryant Jennings. And in another fight that we got to see uh, on TV, Jesse Hart in the super middleweight division approved to 24-1 and when he scored a seventh round stoppage over uh, Denmond Nicholson, who loses uh, really only for the third time in his career. He's 18-3-1 right now. The official time was 226 of the seventh. This was an interesting fight. Jesse Hart was the bigger guy fighting for his pop, Cyclone Hart. And uh, oh, wow. yeah. was uh, was rocked big time in this fight early. Uh, Nicholson uh, caught him at the end of a round, and uh, I thought uh, I, I thought it was, I think it was the uh, um, uh, second or, or third round. Uh, but uh, but in any event, Hart came back uh, strong and very busy and finished Nicholson off. Did you see this fight, Sal?
3: No, I did not, and I'm sorry I did not, and I'm going to have to go back and look at it. And, uh, you know, when you mentioned Cyclone Hart, that was one of the fighters in my, my era. And uh, so I'm definitely going to watch the, this fight with some—ready uh, to give some good feedback.
2: You know, uh, Jesse Hart, no disrespect to him, but <laughs> again, this is those cases where, you know, you're fighting 20 fights against nobodies, and then they put you in against a couple of somebodies, and you pick up a loss, you don't look that good— you know, I've said it all along. It's not that I expect knockout, drag out, killer fights every time out. But you have to progressively increase your your fighters, opponents. Otherwise, they don't get better. And I think we saw it, several examples of that this weekend, this past weekend. In a fight that I, listen, I picked him because he's my guy. I, I love watching this kid fight. I didn't really think he was going to win. It was a classic uh, youth versus age. And I'm talking about Josito Lopez improved to 36-7 and with 19 uh, knockouts when he fought a 10-round unanimous decision. He, he won a unanimous decision over Miguel Cruz, who hadn't been beaten. Miguel drops to 17-1 and with 11 knockouts, 99-89 twice, and 98-90. Uh, you know, the scores may have been a little uh, closer, but Cruz was dedu- was deducted not one but two points uh, for low blows. Uh, you know, Josito Lopez has always been a guy that has been forced to fight bigger fighters for the money. He's done it. He's a veteran fighter, and he's still got a little left in the tank. Miguel Cruz, again, looked very good early on, seemed to run out of gas, and maybe this is another example of an undefeated young fighter and don't get me wrong Miguel Cruz is is a, you could tell that he's got the talent but he never fought a guy like Josito Lopez and a, a tricky veteran like Josito Lopez and a guy who's been in there with the top level opposition that Josito Lopez uh, has been in and one major thing Josito Lopez is a warrior this isn't a guy you're just going to go in and 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 just knock out so I I don't know what team Cruz was thinking but what a fight. Josito Lopez stays in there. And, uh, you know, generally his fights are a little more exciting. But, uh, but hey, uh, kudos to Josito Lopez for coming out on top. Did you get a chance to see this one? No, I did not. I got to go watch this one, too. Yeah, you missed a good one, man. So uh, try, and, uh, try and check that one out. And also on that card, uh, Claudio Moraro improved to 23-2 and two with 17 knockouts when he destroyed uh, Jorge Lara. Uh, who hadn't been beaten and was beaten and knocked out uh, a little more than a half a minute into the round, 33 seconds, and Lara was knocked out cold. Uh, Former uh, middleweight and super middleweight world champion Arthur Abraham improved to 47-6 when he scored a 12-round split decision over the young Patrick Nelson. Nielsen. uh, Abraham is uh, 38 years old, and he's making one more run in a world title shot Uh, One judge scored it uh, uh, 114-113 for Nielsen, and the other two had it for Abraham with the same score, 116-111. And uh, for the vacant uh, European welterweight title, uh, Kermaine Lagaraga improved to 25-0 with 20 knockouts uh, when he... uh, uh, took care of uh, Bradley Skeet Who drops uh, the second uh, fight of his career He's now 27-2 and two, uh, With uh, 12 knockouts It was a second round uh, knockout uh, For uh, uh, the victor in that one So uh, we had some uh, decent, action-packed fights We're going to take a short break When I come back I got some uh, fights that took place on Friday night And it was the WBC Welterweight Tournament so uh, we'll give you uh, a heads-up on that in about two.
0: Billy C. will be right back. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Around,
2: wait a minute, man. Ho- 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 hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you, you to take know, this one on. Right?
0: Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this.
2: Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there.
0: Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCboxing.com.
2: And we're back. You're watching and listening. To the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, we're wrapping up the uh, fight results um, for, from the past weekend. I, we are going to talk about them a, a little bit more, especially the top fights uh, in about a half hour when Dax Kahn joins Sal and myself. But uh, Sal, the uh, uh, WBC World Invitational Welt-a-mate, Welterweight Tournament got underway this past weekend. It was uh, on Friday night. And uh, here's how it turned out. Uh, to set up the semifinals, the uh, an alternate fighter due to an injury, um, Francisco Santana, he improved to twenty-five and six. Excuse me, with a draw when he took care of two thousand and eight gold medalist Felix Diaz, uh, who was the number one seed going into this tournament. He drops to nineteen and three. Uh, it was uh, a unanimous decision. Well, actually, a uh, uh, well, two two of the uh, uh, they have extra judges in this. So you had um, one, two, three judges scored at 98-92. One had it 96-94. One had it 95-95. Uh, when, when the smoke cleared with all those judges, Sal uh, Santana won the fight. Um, Chris Van Hurden improved to 26-2 and two with a draw when he uh, beat Timo Schwarzkopf, who drops to 18-2, 98-92 uh, three times and 97-93 twice. Uh, Frederick Lawson improved to 27-1 when he took care of uh, Bashirio uh, Nashiwula, who drops at 13-2-1. 99-91, 96-94, 98-92, and 2 scored at 97-93. And Brad Solomon, who should kind of be the favorite at this point, he improved to 28-1 when he scored a 10-round split decision over Paddy Gallagher, who drops to 13-4. 97-93, 97-94, 95-94 for Solomon, twice in 96-93 for Gallagher. I don't know how it unfolds, but uh, um, Solomon won. Francisco Santana against Brad Solomon and Chris Van Hurden against Frederick Lawson in the semifinal, Sal. Another tournament. That uh, I like the tournament scene, you know, and these are all WBC fighters. I mean, what I like about it is you don't get to really cherry pick. Once, the, once everybody's chosen for the tournament, everything else is, you know, you win and you move forward, and you got to fight whoever they put in front of you.
3: No, I I agree, and, and you know the the tournament scene has uh, always proven to be a, you know, good way to weed out the, some of the fighters and let the cream rise to the top. However my only thing with the tournament scene is that it does take so long um, to finally have uh a winner and so much can happen in a career or so much can happen in between when you're waiting for all the different rounds to occur and then you have injuries on top and things like that i love a I love a tournament uh, there's probably no way they can do it if they might you think they could ever change the model of, like, a, a, a championship tournament? Maybe make uh, make the fights uh, 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 eight rounds instead of uh, uh, ten, and, and then when the championship fight comes, then you go 12 or 15, whatever? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to say, how can you consolidate it where we'd have a definitive winner or a championship fight uh, within a year's time or, or six months or something like that? I don't know if you could do that, but... Uh, Sometimes that's the only trouble with professional tournaments in the sport of boxing is it does take a long time to eventually weed out to get to the final championship fight. Well,
2: the Super 6 series that Showtime put on clearly took a little too long. But I think most of the tournaments that are going on now are time, um, you know, they they are conscious of the time. This particular one, I don't think they're making these guys wait uh, any longer, excuse me, than they would have between fights. Remember... Fighters nowadays, if they fight three times in a year, everybody wants to give them a Fighters of the Year award because they were so busy, you know. So um, I, I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you, but unfortunately, fighters just aren't active
3: enough anymore. But, but, Bill, this is the whole thing. What if they were to start a rebrand the the tournament-style fight uh, or fighter to see who was going to actually throw their hat in the ring because there will be a lot more to risk let's say they have a fight and this is going to be very hard to do but they've got a fight every two weeks or uh on a friday night uh to get down to the elimination process you know maybe you have four rounds in a tournament and uh every two weeks the, the tournament's wrapped up in two months uh with maybe the championship bout like a super bowl having a longer delay in between um and that goes for 12 rounds in other words maybe they can whittle down it's going to be you know you want to throw your hat into the ring okay you're going to fight uh, uh, a six round all or nothing fight or an eight round all or nothing fight and uh, the winner goes on to the next round you're going to fight in two more weeks i mean just think about it it's different than what we're used to but those fighters that want to toss their hats into the ring for that kind of venue will be rising to the occasion and will have to endure and go by the rules of that tournament it's just a food for thought. they got to change something because, like I said, there's very few fans that can tolerate or follow for a year and a half of a tournament or or, or, or less. They're just not taking that long anymore. Like, if you no. look at
2: the World Boxing Super Series, I mean, uh, yeah, the World Boxing Super Series tournament with the cruiserweight and uh, and super middleweight, they're, we're up to the finals. Now, an injury has prolonged the final, the championship, for both weight classes, but Aside from that, it moved pretty quickly. I think. How, how long is quickly? How long did it take? About
3: took from the start, from the first round.
2: From the first round, uh, um, I think when by the time it it finishes with these finals, even though they got pushed back, probably one year. You know, mm-hmm. but but the thing is, is that you know if you're getting fighters to to get into the tournament now, now that's not an easy task today, with how fighters look at careers and and how, you know, safety first, and risk versus reward. So if you get them all to come in, that's the first trick. The second trick is the money, right? I mean, it, there has to be some kind of lucrative, um, you know, financial gain for these guys to to risk that. And once you start talking about less rounds, you know, an eight-rounder or a six-rounder in the beginning, which I get your, your train of thought, and, and it's if you were talking about like a like a tournament with younger fighters, I think that would fit perfect. Well, you start them off, you know, a bigger pool of fighters, start them out at four rounds, get them in six, eight, and then championships at 10. These guys are starting at 10. Um, You know, money is what dictates the the rounds. In other words, you know, fighters wouldn't be opposed to fighting six-rounders. It's just that the pay scale
3: drops, you know. That's why they're always trying to get. So I I don't know. There's no right. Here's my thought. And again, remember the original the original name. It's prize fighting. So if we're looking at a tournament situation, let's graduate it from a six-round to the next round being an eight-round to the semifinals being a 10-round to the championship being a 12-round a, a or 15-round, go all out. And this way, and what really? does it prove? Well, guess what? Let it be for the unknown fighter that wants to throw their hat into the ring to weed out and this and that. And then that champion who wins that tournament will be in line to fight for a title fight, maybe. Something like that for a world championship. It's on a fast track or something like that. Because, like I said, for the for the tournament to take for a year's period of time, so much could happen in a sport with the main division that's always highlighted by the champion who did not go into the tournament. So hypothetically, the tournaments are always secondary to a world title fight and, and a world championship. So maybe there could be the weeding ground, the proving ground, and elimination ground to get somebody in position within six months to go for a title fight. That's basically unknown. I'm just just throwing my well. Comments here, out there. Here's the thing. You you're not wrong with your
2: train of thought, but the problem is is getting. First of all, a tournament with the way you suggest, the only way that it would work is with a pool of young fighters. All right, because they're the only ones that are gonna that are gonna do it. Now you got to find a pool of young fighters that are willing to take the risk. All right. Now if you go the other route and take and and then, uh, uh, by the way, the the pool of young fighters generally will be unknown fighters, which generally will not draw a lot of interest financially. Therefore, the purses will be limited. Right. So now if you take that next step and say, well, let's go for some fighters that are a little more well known, and you suggest like what you are. They're not gonna take the risk. It has to be some kind of happy medium. Don't get me wrong, Sal. I no, I, I agree with your with your concept because it makes more exciting and and the best will truly rise to the top. These tournaments that they're having, like this one here, really doesn't prove anything when you're when you have all these guys you know, uh, somewhat around the same level. And before you know it, you're down to the, like right now, you know, you have all those guys and you, after one week we're down to two fights and then the final, you know, so you, you got three fights left. So uh, I hear you. I hear you. I, well, listen, the tournament, yeah. if, if the fighters not, not to get too much, I, I have some heavyweight no. news, but, not, but if, if, so. if we were, if we were able to get all of the best fighters, to fight in a tournament that would be exciting unfortunately we don't have enough american fighters that would be willing to take that risk we just don't we just don't um but uh hey a new segment that we started a heavyweight roundup uh which uh i will give you uh every week all of the heavyweight fights that took place this way we can get familiar with uh some of these uh you know, out of the nowhere, names that get thrown in with are just like what Sal and I are talking about right now. Um, now, the one problem with doing this is there's a lot of uh, heavyweight fights that are scheduled or at least on the schedule, and then by the time Monday comes around, they either uh, had a last minute sub, the fight was scratched, it never took place, whatever. Um, and that's kind of what happened this weekend. We have a couple of fights that we will talk about. All of them took place on Saturday. Uh, out of Spain, uh, we had uh, Lel, uh, Lel Tuxu Lahuta improved to one win and one draw when he got a second round stoppage over David uh, Gietscheid, who drops to 20, 21 and 1. Uh, in uh, Maine, Justin uh, uh, Ralfe. Making his pro debut, stopped Michael Hansen in the very first round. Hansen too was making his uh, pro debut, so Ralphay is uh, now one and zero, um, and Michael Hansen is zero and one. Also, from Germany, uh, Blerum Hajari uh, is improved to four and zero with a draw when he stopped uh, uh, Nijedko Savoric in the very first round. Savoric drops to two and twenty-five. Evan Brockmuller uh, improved to 11-1 with his first-round stoppage over Mario Laps, who drops to 0-2. Sebastian Bullock improves to 1-1 uh, when he had a first-round stoppage over Sven Spathman, who drops uh, his first fight of his career. He's now 0-1. Um, out of the uh, out of the uh, Castle Banquet and Conference Center in New Hampshire, Jason Bergman. Uh, improved to 27 wins, 15 losses, and two draws when he stopped Ruben Williams in the very first round. Um, put an asterisk next to that fight. Ruben Williams uh, went for the payday. They both were under the same management. I know that I know the manager of these guys. It was getting Bergman another shot at another fight. Uh, Ruben Williams drops to 29-32-1. Can't stand fights like this. Uh, nothing against Ruben, but uh, this guy was a, a really good fighter at one time in a way lower weight class. Now he just goes in and uh, spars for a few bucks. Brendan Barrett improved to 7-0 and with a couple of draws when he won a unanimous six-round decision over Tracy Johnson, who drops to 4-7. Uh, and And uh, over in the Shaw Conference Center, I got to call a couple of fights out of there. In Canada, Adam Braidwood improved to 13-1 when he stopped Hugo Leon. In the fourth round of a scheduled six, Leon drops to five and two, and Erkan Tepper improved to nineteen and two when he stopped uh, Davet uh in the uh, second of a scheduled six round. Uh, he drops to uh, sixteen and eleven. So there's some heavyweight fights that uh, took place uh, over the weekend. Sal and God, uh, just pronouncing the names are a big time task, you know. Yeah, I know.
3: Well, that's, that's the international boxing scene for you. Um, it's no longer Joe Smith. Speaking of heavyweights, uh, Dillian White
2: is uh, all kinds of uh, mad. Uh, we got a super chat, and I want to remind everyone we do super chat Thursdays, but we would love to get super chats uh, 100,000 times a day. But uh, my man Johnston uh has a uh, super chat he says hey Sal do you still believe uh AJ versus wilder will happen in their next fights
3: um what do you think Sal it was with you I you know without having my ears too close to the ground right now uh you know last week I was excited when I heard Thursday they were gonna have a meeting and uh you know I I, I know that uh Deonte threw out some uh, uh uh offers out there and I, I think they're finagling their way through it, and you know, I don't want to say no news is good news, but uh, as long as no news uh, means uh, that it's not no fight, I I still feel in my heart of hearts they're going to try and make this fight happen for each of these fighters to be their next uh, fight. Uh, I just I just don't see how how else the the heavyweight division can stay on course or, or shape up without this fight taking place next that's so my opinion yes i do feel that this fight is going to take place it's only may and this fight can uh surely be signed sealed and delivered to us by august november or surely uh in that time frame september november so i'm hoping and i do want this fight to take place this year
2: well we all want the fight to take place this year and i'm hoping too but i don't I, I doubt it very much I don't think that uh, Wilder made a legitimate offer. I, it was so suspicious, um, everything about it, and it's a shame. You know, I, I don't understand why it was like that. I, I think I'm more perplexed by that. Um, you know, uh, where somebody insists upon, you know, fighter to fighter, except in a fight before they would issue a contract. I, it just it, it just seems it's the most shady. Sequence of events I've ever seen for such a big fight. We're not talking about, you know, me and Sal fighting. We're, we're talking about a, a, a potentially $100 million uh, fight, you know? So uh, uh, it just seems very uh, strange to me. And I, I, I listen, rumor has it that your boy is already signed, sealed, and delivered to fight Dominic Brazil and uh, Pavetkin against uh, AJ. Uh, they have to start those, that. That goes to purse bid. I think tomorrow. I think uh, either either tomorrow or by Friday or something. The the time is up. I, I think it's the fifth. I think it's the fifth. So um, yeah, you know, if they don't even start negotiations with that, they're going to end up fighting in Russia.
3: But uh, well, you know, and Bill, it's so upsetting because you know all eyes are on this fight, and this this should be the fight that that is made. And and as we spoke about, this is too big of a potential fight to possibly have something occur with another opponent lined up before this fight takes place. I mean, you know, Deontay Wilder could break another hand. Uh, Someone could lose a fight. Uh, And then you're talking about, well, we're saying goodbye to uh, $25 million each or or $50 million each. And, you know, a lot of times what happens with offers, uh, as we see in a fight game, as we see in all – levels of, of business. It's one party throws uh, uh, the world as far as what their wishes, what they want. And the other party counters with uh, their expectations and what they feel they're worth and what they want. And then somehow they whittle it down. And, you know, I have an old attorney from Jersey. He used to say, Sal, uh, the best deals that are made are when both parties feel like they quite not uh didn't win but also that it'll feel like they haven't quite lost and uh, you know I'm sure they're trying to get to a happy medium that will make both fighters feel like okay you know what it's a compromise Uh, maybe I didn't get the golden ring here but I'm going to show it in my uh, when I go out there so that's what I'm hoping for that they throw it out there and now they're going to whittle it down to a happy medium and a compromise where it's realistic for both fighters to say you know what I can live with that, and I'm going to go on from this fight, and it'll be even better next time. That's so, it.
2: Speaking of the heavyweight division, Dillian White uh, is very unhappy with the WBC. Now he's ranked currently ranked number one in the world by the WBC, and um, you know many many people uh, have already you know it's leaked out that the fight between De- uh, Deontay Wilder and Dominic Brazil is already been approved and signed uh and this is more indications of it because the WBC has ordered Dillian White who's been the number one ranked contender to fight the number four ranked contender Luis Ortiz which is also kind of a mystery of how Ortiz got to be in the number four spot for the WBC if you recall he was stripped uh and you know the first time they were going to fight Deontay Wilder and then they let him fight. This is all without a fight. And then he loses. And now he's number four. I, and and they're forcing him to fight Dillian White. I don't know, but Dillian White said, I fought for every single belt the WBC said I had to fight for. I'm one of the only guys in the WBC who's followed the procedure. I fought many eliminators and many WBC-ranked fighters. I've been loyal to the WBC for two years. I've had... Uh, the sanctioning fights I've done everything they've asked me to do my information was I was meant to be next in line if anything the WBC should be ordering me and Brazil to fight in a final eliminator to fight Wilder I've had loads which you know you can't really argue with that he says I've had loads of WBC fights and they've always been against top contenders Derek robert helenas lucas brown these haven't been mugs they have been top contenders who are highly ranked in the wbc as well we're going to try and see what we can do and see whether or not we can reach some kind of an agreement with the wbc i'm very very disappointed and annoyed i feel betrayed by the wbc um you know who knows maybe the wbc is trying to set things up because they too know that uh Uh, You know, the wilder AJ fight will happen sooner than later. I don't know, but uh, hopefully we'll hear something this week. Otherwise, we're going to be hearing about the uh, purse bid going for the Pavetkin aj fight. Um, The Triple uh, G-Vanis-Montoroshian fight is taking place this weekend. We will be giving you our breakdowns and predictions later in the week. But uh, one of the little uh, subplots to this fight, and as you all know, Triple G had a hard time finding an opponent... Uh, Refused to walk away from the uh, uh, May 5th fight date And he finally found uh, an opponent But the IBF was threatening not to sanction this fight And even is going as far as stripping Triple G Of his IBF world middleweight title Because their mandatory challenger for the IBF portion of the belt Was Sergi Devorinchenko And um, the IBF reported uh, late last week Uh, that they would indeed sanction Triple G against Maroshan, but the stipulation is that the next fight that he has to have, um, which would be um, uh, Sergio Simenchenko. Now, their ruling by approving this fight suggests that even if Triple G decides to fight Canelo Alvarez in September, which many people think is going to be the move when uh, Canelo Alvarez's suspension is lifted uh, by uh, mid-August, that that next fight would be September on the Mexican holiday, uh, the rematch between Triple G and Canelo. But according to the IBF, that's not going to happen because the IBF, in order to sanction the Monteroshian fight with Triple G. Triple G has had to agree that his very next fight will be defending his IBF belt against Sergey uh, Devorinchenko. So we'll have to see what unfolds with this mess, Sal, because, uh, um, you know, Deveranchenko, I know he got some si- step-aside money. Maybe he gets a little more uh, if Canelo-Triple G rematch happens. But um, to be honest with you, I think Sergey uh, Deverenchenko is an odd man left out. Yeah, he's a mandatory for the IBF, but he's not a money fight for Triple G. And if Triple G decides not to fight Canelo in September, he's got Billy Joe Saunders with a money thing. Either way, it seems like this uh, all the belts are going to start to dissipate and, and go elsewhere.
3: Well, and that's what happens when you have too many belts. I mean, what do we have, the Series 5 belts uh, and – it's so hard to have a unification of of a championship division. And that's why we've got to see with the heavyweights as well to, to see if we have this opportunity. And then we could see one guy say, hey, I'm the reigning undisputed champion of the world in that weight class. It's so rare. It's so predicated on the timing, on the the, the concessions that are being made on the demands of the sanctioning bodies that have that belt. Uh, so it's a rarity to see that we have opportunities to unific- unify all these championship belts into one. And I think the two two weight classes that can try to do it at least for a temporary period would be the middleweight division and the heavyweight division. And it's optimum to provide that for the fans this year. Otherwise, after that, forget about it, all falls apart.
2: Um. So we'll see what happens uh, with the uh, uh, middleweight picture. Um, Right now, uh, Triple G holds all the titles except for the WBO. And, you know, that is the problem with sanctioning bodies. And we thought that they were fixing that mess by incorporating the super champions, the super champions or the diamond champions, but they... (laughs) You know, <laughs> that insult found, to injury Well man. they found a way to screw that up You know they have mandatories <laughs> They have they have regular titles They have mandatory defenses for both sides They have interim belts I, I mean it's a scam, oh, it's, a scam. It. it's a total scam So uh, that's what's uh, taking place there Hey listen we're going to take a short break When we come back we're scheduled to have Dax Khan join us uh, We'll get his thoughts on the fights Then I have some emails to read We got several emails I want to try and get out of the way We got a trivia question uh, we got uh, tomorrow, don't forget, we got our blast from the past is Vinny Pazienza. And, of uh, course, Vinny, my, buddy. my man Larry Hazard will be joining us uh, as well. So, uh, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're scheduled to have DaxCon. Don't go nowhere. Billy C
0: will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts! Why you doing that to my face? I hate you! I hate you! I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talk boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. Martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy Interact C. Interact with the show at Billy C.
2: And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking of being with us, joining us right now uh, is uh, my man Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax.
1: Hey, good morning. How's everybody today?
2: Not too bad. How about yourself?
1: You know, these, these Tuesday shows, I'm so used to the Mondays. They just kind of throw me off a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, you know, when you get to be as old as you are, Dax, you don't want to rock your uh, schedule every day. Not like young guys like oh, Sal and okay. myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, young guys Young guys uh, uh, Like Sal and myself you know, It doesn't matter, we roll with the punches No, we
3: roll with the punches, we yeah. just rise to the occasion Hey, but you know what, it, it, it's so funny When we do have a Tuesday show like this Starting off the week Wow, tomorrow's already a blast from the past day It's a great Wednesday ahead So it, it's, uh, it's interesting you don't
1: um, roll with the punches. You roll with whatever the Metamucil does when it kicks into the system. Hey, you got, wait, wait.
2: No, he's on Geritol. The Metamucil is good for him. Easy, easy, um, guys. Forget so, about so, it. I'm so, ready to hate. So, I'm Dax,
3: ready to go, make, go, go back in the ring, pal. I'm so, ready. Dax. <laughs> um,
2: the, the fight uh, between I'll Daniel be Jacobs and uh, Selinski. We all learned how to pronounce his last name. It's It's got the, the old famous Polish silent N and S, but... Uh, uh, Selinski put a, a decent show on for himself. What, what was your thoughts uh, on the Daniel jacobs Zelensky fight?
1: You know, it wasn't a dominant performance that fans were expecting out of Daniel Jacobs. Uh, the stress on Selinsky being a 154-pound fighter was absurd, and I said that to you on Friday. You know, he's a career middleweight and even has a handful of fights at super middleweight. he had been draining himself to make that 154 pounds, you know, to get some bigger fights. Uh, we've seen a version of uh, Selinsky on Saturday that, you know, has made him so successful up to this point. He's a fast, valiant puncher who uses a variety of combinations to mix up his attack. Uh, his chin is underrated, and uh, as is his defense, Uh, The speed gave Jacobs trouble early. You know, Jacobs to his credit, though, uh, despite I see a lot of criticism towards him, and um, I'm a little bit critical at the amount of punches that he took, but, you know, we've seen uh, a version of Daniel Jacobs, a very uh, matured version, uh, more or less, maybe you'd like to say, where, you know, he went in there and he didn't rush anything. Um, No mistakes in there did he make. You know, he made sure that, um, you know, his opponent was exactly, you know, in the position where he wanted him to be all night, more or less, you know. So this is definitely a version of Daniel Jacobs that is at a whole new level. Um, You know, as, um, you know, he's an exciting fighter still, but, you know, one that uh, doesn't take unneeded risk. Uh, You know, Slinsky didn't have the power to hurt him. Maybe that's why Jacobs allowed Slinsky, you know, to uh, land some of those punches. I don't know. We see that with uh, Gennady Golovkin a lot. It's not really the best of uh, tactics. But, you know, we did see him work on some new uh, defensive tactics postures, you know, whether or not, you know, he was rolling with, he was using that cross arm, you know, what was really odd in that fight, I don't know if anybody else noticed, I had mentioned this on uh, Saturday night on social media, did you see in round 7 and 8, Daniel Jacobs sort of faded for no reason, he got really tired in those rounds, Um, his legs seemed a little bit rubbery, and it didn't seem like he took any big punches, maybe it was the volume of punches, I don't know, but you know, he did turn it back up, he dropped Zelensky late, you know, Daniel Jacobs is a guy, you know, who can go the full 12 rounds at a high level. You know, um, you know, Slinsky, what I uh, really liked about him is even after he goes down, he gets up and comes right back at Daniel Jacobs, you know, hoping to even out the round. You know, uh, it was a solid fight. It was entertaining. Um, you know, nothing could really be said in terms of Jacobs where, you know, you've seen any flaws, you've seen him slipping. Um, you know, the only thing that you could really uh, get on him about is those punches that he took maybe a little unnecessarily. As far as Slinsky is, I think the guy really uh, raised his profile, and um, I think most fans will want to see him fight again, no?
2: You know, I, 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 it's a good point that you made about Danny Jacobs. And I want to say this. I think you're right. I think Daniel Jacobs has gotten to a point. Now, I don't know if something clicked or if he and his trainer got to it. An, and, and speaking of which, I have given his trainer all kinds of, of, of flack. I, I mean, I, 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 I just wasn't a big fan. But let me tell you what I have uh, to admit this morning is that I find and one one of my one of my hangups with him was that he always seemed like the Zen master in the corner, you know, and he never seemed to give any constructive instruction uh, to his fighters. He was too busy with the mental aspect. I think he has finally learned to to that he needs to balance the mental aspect with constructive instruction. And I think he was doing that with Daniel Jacobs on Saturday night, Dax. I think that, that he was getting uh, the right instruction, and Daniel Jacobs was on the same page, so they were both on the same page. I think that he was taking a break in those rounds. And I also think that he was, he's trying to be too perfect with the execution of the game plan. Do either one of you guys notice uh, that, or, or do you think I'm thinking too deep?
1: I, I think
3: uh, if I go ahead, Dax, you go,
2: No, buddy. go,
1: go, Sal, go, go. I was waiting for
3: you. Okay. Well, I, I think what you say, Bill is a very good point. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he's matured in his mind where he thinks this is what he's got to now try to do to preserve some things and to see and take a step back and, and uh, turn it on and close big. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, I think, I think that it just happened to be, you know, and I always say a fighter's only as good as his last fight. Well, this is just what we just saw him do. I mean, you know, the guy is a world-class uh, uh, fighter. He, he's he's a tremendous. Uh, 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 he's got a tremendous presence in the ring, and you know, because maybe he did something a little differently this uh, this time out against an opponent that uh, he was in a ring with. You know, I, I don't think you could automatically assume things just yet, and maybe you know, overthinking it might be something we just got to wait to see what his next fight uh showcases or what we what's revealed in his next fight so i give him a pass on that but uh you know again maybe losing weight too i mean this is a guy that that uh we know how big he he's gotten too so who knows what he was tearing himself down to to make that 154 what do you
2: think
1: uh you know two two things one as far as the um the case of Andre Rosier, you know, whose birthday happens to be today, um, you know, he had the chin checkers, and we know what became of those guys, and they all had potential at one point in time, but they just didn't seem to have that mental uh, capacity, so, you know, I think Andre Rosier had gotten a lot of um, flack because of where those guys fell short, and who knows, we're not in those camps, we're not in the gym, so we don't know where, you know, Andre Rosier was saying to himself, you know, what kind of tag, you know, what approach do I have to take to get these guys' heads, you know, where... Where they should be, so they can carry out physically what what you know what they're capable of. But um, as far as Daniel Jacobs, um, even in the last fight against Lewis uh, uh, Arias, uh, you know where Louis Arias, was a big puncher, and he talked a lot. He was going to come out there, he was going to knock Danny Jacobs out. And Danny Jacobs uh, remained composed in that fight, and he gave uh, Arias a boxing lesson. He didn't take any unnecessary chances. Where you know he showed, you know something. I can outbox uh, you, and I can knock you out. And you know, as this middleweight division continues growing deeper, you're going to have to be you know a, a smart. thing thinking fighter, and I think the Triple G fight is one that really told him or more or less said to me, you know what, just, if I just did one or two things differently in that fight, I definitely probably would have. In my opinion, I agree. I mean, you know, he, he would have actually gotten a nod for that, so and the fact that he's able to sit there and do it against quality opponents, um, not that uh, Slinsky or uh, Arias are, you know, the elite, but, you know, the very good opponents, and they're the guys that, you know, you can go in there and you can work on those type of things and be able to do that, and it this way when you get back in there against the Triple G's and stuff, you know, you're get able to carry those out, you're going to bring yourself, you know, uh, back back to that former of glory of being a champion. Now, I'm not really sure. I know that he is the WBA mandatory um I'm not clear, is he the mandatory for Triple G super title, or is he the mandatory for uh, Murata Royota's uh, regular uh, world title, the one that Daniel Jacobs uh, held pri- uh, previously, I really like the Murata fight, you know, Murata, uh, not only is he a high value puncher like Selinsky, but you know, he's also a, uh, he also has some pop, I think that would be a very exciting fight, in my opinion, that would be even more exciting than Triple G versus Canelo, if we've seen a Daniel Jacobs versus uh, Royota Murata.
2: Yeah, uh, who knows what the WBA. That's an interesting that's question uh Dax, but and and uh, one last thing I want to add before we move on to the next fight is you're 100% correct, Zelensky um g- put on a great performance. Uh, his lack of punching power was was the only difference in that fight cuz if he had a little more pop, a little more a little more steam behind those punches, Maybe uh, Daniel Jacobs' fight's a little different, but I, for one, and Sal said, uh, agreed with me earlier, and you said the same thing. We all want to see more of this guy, so uh, hopefully we get to see it uh, soon. In the uh, co-main event, the heavyweight fight, the last guy that was watching, I just they finally woke him up and, and ushered him out of uh, uh, the arena. Uh, Jarrell Miller, all 304 pounds of him, uh, beat the snot out of Johan Duopause, I was impressed with Miller. Uh, yeah, he was 300 pounds. He fights like a lighter guy. Yeah, he ran out of gas midway through, but he was still more uh, uh, you know, output-oriented uh, than Duopause. Duopaz is a slow, methodical, doesn't have much pop, but, man, can he take a beating? What did we learn, at least in your opinion, Dax, what did you learn from Jarrell Miller's victory over Duapaz? Because, personally, I didn't learn anything.
1: One thing I did learn is that Roy Jones is adamant that Jarrell Miller is a very well-built 304-pound fighter,
2: (laughs) which he continues to say all night. But uh, I.
1: I really got nothing out of this, you know. As you stated, we all know that uh, Johan Duopas is tough, and um, what we did get to see is uh, Jarrell Miller go 12 rounds for the first time. Um, He didn't go a fast 12 rounds. Um, Could he still be as effective if he lost some weight, in my opinion? I don't know. I really think that that weight allows him to take these heavyweight blows. Um, He's not fast. Um, You know, he did show some some nice defense. I like the way he rolls with his punches, but, you know, Jarrell Miller... Uh, also, too, I think you know some of this weight hurts him, where he doesn't really get the leverage behind his punches. You know, he's getting that body weight behind the punches, you know, which is a whole lot different than actually getting the power behind the punches that you know we would see at Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. So, you know, um, does he rank with the top names? It's interesting. I don't know. Uh, maybe if he lost a little bit more weight and um, he became more mobile, I think we'd see a whole different version of Jerrell Miller, even in this, uh, even at his size, six foot four, and even if he weighed two hundred seventy pounds, you know, he really is sort of a um, a small heavyweight for this error. Right. Which is preposterous, you know, every time I think about that, I'm like, really? Wow. But, um, you know, Miller, um, you know, what's next for him? I don't know. The fight I would actually like to see, to be honest, while Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are going through their whole uh, negotiation terms, I think an exciting fight would actually be um, Jarrell Miller and Dillian White. Um, you know, Jarrell Miller, one day he's with Matchroom Boxing, the next day I'm my own boss, I'm not with Matchroom Boxing—he's mad at Eddie Hearn because he hasn't gotten his title shot yet. I don't know, but you know, uh, whatever's going on there is what's going on there. You know, uh, who knows what you know what's being said behind the scenes? We can only speculate. But I think Dillian White and uh, Jarrell Miller would be an all-action fight. Johan Duopas, I like the guy, but he's 37 years old. As you stated, he takes a lot of abuse. He has in the last couple of years in his last few fights. Um, He's exciting, but I think um, maybe the uh, the European level, meaning European championship bouts, and, um, you know, uh, some of the guys at that one step below, the Anthony Joshuas and Deontay Wilders and Dillian Whites, would be a nice place for him, uh, you know, to uh, tailor off his career. And right now, we just got to see what happens with uh, Jarrell Miller. You know, it's fight by fight. Who knows, you know? Next year, he may be a world champion. Next year, you know, he may be a uh, yesterday's news.
2: You know, first of all, do a pause. Nobody ever heard of him until he fought Deontay Wilder. And, and he's made a decent uh, living since in terms of money. As far as Jarrell Miller, there's no way this guy's ready for a title shot. I, I, it makes me sick. That a fighter could fight the level of opposition that he has in 22 professional fights and be crying that he didn't get his world title shot—it uh, just it, it it boggles my mind. I have one question for you, Dax, pertaining to Jarrell Miller that you made well, a point. My, what?
1: I was going to say, you know, what was uh, really caught me—that was interesting in, in that fight. Was um, you know, I really don't pay a lot of attention to the show stats because whether or not show stats, HBO, ESPN—they don't seem very accurate all the time but um you know they said uh there was that one round i think it was in the eighth where uh miller landed 11 jabs and they said that was double the heavyweight average is that true 11 jabs in a round is double the heavyweight average Okay, and I'm saying to myself, I'm like, Lennox Lewis, Larry Holmes, um, and Evander Holyfield, Vladimir Klitschko, Vitaly Klitschko, these guys must be really, you oh, know, saying to themselves, Real, 11 jabs is jo- double the average. Joseph no Parker. There's no great heavyweight. Joseph
2: Parker landed more than that in his fight against uh, AJ in his last fight. But listen, my my question to you was, and and that's an interesting one. I, I don't know the answer uh, about that. But the in- my question to you, Backing up something that you said, um, or uh, I'm adding something you said. You said that you felt that if Jarrell Miller lost some weight, he he does have some decent hand speed. But do you think that if he lost some weight, it would be advantageous to him when he does get in there with a a real heavyweight like Deontay or AJ to be able to be a little more mobile than he is? Because if 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 he, Although he can move his hands, and, and you're right, he, he did display some defensive proudness with the rolling of his head and everything else, but without fleet of foot, isn't he kind of standing right there for two big-time punchers and Deontay and AJ? Well,
1: that, you know, that's, again, that's why I said I don't know if losing weight would be uh, beneficial to him because, you know, he has that low center of gravity you know, uh, so to speak, you know, it's not like one part of his, you know, it's not like, you know, he's top heavy where all his weight is on top of his skinny legs, you know, he, he's just really a big guy all the way through. But, um, you know, if he's a little bit more mobile, you know, he's actually able to get, uh, you know, some, some pop behind those punches rather than just arm punches. And then, you know, again, he's able to move around. Dillian White, you know, there's a guy who, again, you know, I'll mention him and his last fight against Lucas Brown. Not that Dillian White... Not that Lucas Brown is, you know, really was an elite heavyweight, but, you know, uh, Dillian White, the way he moved around in that fight, you know, uh, he has good power respectable power not one punch devastating power like a Deontay Wilder Anthony Joshua but you know Dillian White does have knockout power and the fact that you know he was able to move around get in there you know land his shots and get back out and avoid those counters you know make you know really upped his game and I wonder you know how Jarrell Miller would be who's also six foot four the same size as Dillian White so I wonder you know if Jarrell Miller would be able to capitalize on that you know that's that's something that you know it's just interesting the speculation you just wonder. Good point. What's the worst that could happen? You know what, you lose the weight, it doesn't work out for you, you put it back on, but you know, it's, you know, fighting at this slow, uh, this slow pace... Like that, you know, it's not going to get the job done against Deontay Wilder. You're not going to touch him with those long arms and, you know, the movement circling around. You know, you're, you're not going to touch him. It's, it's, you know, it's uh, it just makes no sense to me. But, you know what, I'm not on the team. I don't know how he feels at that weight. You know, like I said, you know, we'll just see what happens.
2: You know, it's a lot easier to, to take it off. I mean, it's a lot easier to put it on than take it off. But uh, in a fight that was really exciting, at least in my opinion, uh, Isaac Dog bay uh, upset Jesse Maglidano. I think you predicted that on on Friday, I but did. Uh, uh, Dog Bay uh, b- did. put put on a, a a great fight, a great display. Maglidano apparently took him lightly, or or what? I, I don't know. Give us your assessment of the fight.
1: Like I said, I told you on Friday, we're going to have a new world champion, and Jesse Magdalena was going to be on his back before that round ended. You know, uh, you know, the kid is all pressure, and, um, you know, he has a variety of punches, and he never slows down. And if you're not expecting somebody like that, you know, for example, um, you know, Slinsky, we are just talking about him with that pressure and, that, and you know, and that constant coming forward. You're not expecting that, or you've never dealt with that. You know, Danny Jacobs, you know, has fought the higher caliber guys than um, Jesse Magdalena. Magdaleno, whose best opponent was you know a little bit of a faded Nonino Donaire, you know a guy who's coming at you like that and has a solid chin, you know you kind of get shell shocked a little bit. Sal and I before the, uh, before the segment came on, we're speaking about the knockdown. If you go back and you watch it again, you know uh, Jesse uh, Isaac Dogbay, he wasn't really knocked, you know he was knocked down, but you know they were kind of close together. His feet weren't really, uh, you know his feet were more or less squared up. He was at an odd angle. He wasn't really hurt, maybe a little bit stunned, but he wasn't really hurt. He got up and came right back at him. Jesse Magdaleno, he's never been put into that situation. Um, you mentioned earlier with Sal, you know, what was going through his head when he kept egging him on. You know, more or less, that was a uh, combination, in my opinion, between hopefully this guy slows down. Hopefully, you know what, that one puncher he just rang my bell with just happened to catch me by surprise. Or, you know, or the other thing is, you know what, I don't know what else to do. Hopefully, you know what, I can outlast this kid. But the, that body work of Dog Bay, when, you know, when he comes and just keeps attacking the body nonstop, and he really digs the body, and he's so short. He's only five foot three. and uh, as you stated earlier, you know, the fact that uh, his father, who is not a, um, a boxing coach, who you know, a trainer, however you want to put it, you know, uh, kind of self-taught, and him and um, Isaac, you know, used to work in the backyard, and they developed the style, and, you know, very effective, you know, has worked, unlike, um, you know, we see a lot of these these coaches who uh, read a book or they see something on YouTube and say, oh, I'm, I'm a trainer. You know, this guy only did it with his son, and it's been effective, so this kid is uh, he's going to improve. He's only 23 years old. He's going to uh, get some more of the fundamentals down, and he's going to be trouble for anybody in that division. I don't care who it is, you know. Uh, Isaac Dogbay. you know, he in my opinion, he made himself a star on Saturday night, and what I really like is the fact that even though he didn't have a promoter of no entering that, top rank, from my understanding, has decided to take him on full-time and promote his future about so what's that say
2: uh, I would say <laughs> you know and the other thing I was thinking during that fight I'm going man uh, Jesse is making all the money for this fight they probably are paying this kid uh, dog bang nothing and now all of a sudden after one fight one win in the, in the way it was this kid I bet you can't wait to get in the ring again because that's when he's going to make his first real payday is his next fight so uh, you know, you uh, know, anyway
1: two things again in this fight and the Jacobs fight you know Years ago, you used to have people scout your opponents. You know, let me ask uh, you, Bill, or you, Sal, do um – do you think in either one of these fights where maybe that, you know, these guys weren't scouted correctly? You know, Dog Bay wasn't scouted correctly by the team of Magdaleno, and, um, you know, Slinsky wasn't scouted, you know, correctly by the team of Daniel Jacobs, where they weren't preparing for this guy. Uh, you know, you have to, um, and, you know, and sometimes in fights, you have to prepare for the style of that one particular fighter, and it doesn't seem that ni- neither Daniel Jacobs nor, well, especially uh, Jesse Magdalena was prepared for, you know, for the style of either one of their opponents. Luckily for Danny Jacobs, he's at that level where he can adapt to anything Um, you know Jesse Magdaleno wasn't you know so uh, you know do you think that is possibly the case is there an excuse for such a thing
3: no you know me I think you know there's so much in the media that becomes available instantly as far as a fight so for a fighter not to take hint and say, hey, let me look at this guy. Let me see. Let me sit down with my, with my trainer and let's see what this guy has, what we can offset, what we can counter, what we can do, what we can get away with, what we can stretch him at. No, I I think they would have had to have uh, seen some highlights. And the only thing with Maglodano on his part is, you know, he did have over a year off. So maybe the inactivity uh, came to fruition and it showed in his response and his speed and his counter and his Maybe his his whole whole, whole uh, mechanics were maybe just off. I mean, a year off it it does it does that idle time does uh, does give you some type of uh, hindrance when you go back in the ring for a full blown title fight. Listen, uh, we're run, we're are. we're running out of
2: time, guys, and I got to get one more thing just uh, to just real quick. Your question, I think in in this case they both kind of underestimated their opponents. And especially in uh, Jesse's case, they had no plan B or C or D or E or whatever set up. You know, Uh, they underestimated. And and in today's world, you know, there's no reason to not scout your opponent, especially when all the fights are available at your fingertips. Dax, one last question. Uh, Bryant Jennings fought uh, Joey Dwejko on the uh, undercard of the uh, Dog Bay-Megladenio fight. And you know me. I, I've always been a big fan of Jennings. He looked different. He looked slow. He looked like he couldn't p- pull off his punches. And, and, and I'm not discrediting Joey DeWedgico because he's unusually quick for a guy with his physique. But uh, how did you see the fight with Jennings and Yeah, you know,
1: As you stated before and you stated just now, I didn't see anything that looked like the old Brian Jennings. In fact... I thought early on that Joey Dueco was actually going to get a stoppage because Brian Jennings was not reacting well to that body work of Joey Dueco, and I don't—I uh, wasn't taking the punches, so I don't know how hard they were, but uh, Brian Jennings just did not seem to like that continuous pressure. Uh, you know, Dueco slowed down, and that was a good thing for Jennings in the mid-rounds. Um, why Brian Jennings, uh, That you know, they had to implore with him to work your jab on the outside. You know, I had him winning by two points. I don't think that uh, Joey Dueco was given enough credit for the body work. Um, you know Durecko. You know as you stated, he's a um, you know an underestimated guy. Um, you know he's not that mobile, but he is a talented guy. He's a very small heavyweight. Um, you know I don't see Brian Jennings getting back to the place he was in the Klitschko fight. Just the fact that he lasted distance with uh, Vladimir Klitschko and gave him so much problem, you know was was a uh, a big feather in his cap. And in my opinion, at that point in time, really raised his stock. But the uh, the the knockout loss to Luis Ortiz, where he was doing well early on, and then you know where he got caught with those big shots. I don't don't know if it hurt him mentally or physically or a little bit of both, but, you know, he's definitely not the same fighter inside there, so... You know what? what do you, you know what? Can you say uh, one last thing on those uh, the fights with the Ma- on on that card? You know, uh, did you notice during that card that um, there were several times? I think uh, during the Jennings and dueco fight, it might have been Joey Duco who pointed out that uh, that logo in the center of the ring was very slippery, and um, I think uh, Jesse Magdaleno almost slipped on it as well. You know, um, you know that played a big. This, you know that plays a big factor in these fights. You know, one of these uh, promoters and, and and these matchmakers going to say, you know, we need to do something a little bit different here. Instead of having these fighters worry and concentrate more, um, not slipping on the logo than you know what's going on in front of them. You know, you turn your head away for a second. You know, that gives your opponent an opportunity. You know, to to land a you know a clean punch because you're more worried about the logo on the floor.
2: Well, you you make a great point, but it's not going to stop because those uh, logos on the floor represent money. That sponsors had given to the promoters, so uh, you know, until they stop paying, you know, and 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 their logical correction for that would say, okay, well, don't make them as slick. Let's make let's let's put those decals or or uh, however Rubber you want ride. to call them, yeah, put put them on there with some kind of you know anti slip surface. But then the argument's going to be, well, they don't show up as visible on the camera shot. So so yeah, once again, money gets in the way of the safety of the fighters, Dax and Sal, and, that, and that's why uh, you, may, you, you make a good point. Hey, one last thing, and, and I got to go. I already got to take a break, but one last thing. The Wedgeco, in this fight, and the way that the scoring system is, when he was landing his jabs, and he was landing his jabs in, in twos and threes, you know, boom, 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 quick ones, they were pretty hard. They were pretty hard jabs. He was doing the same thing with his hook to the body. Um, and I don't know. I think I agree with you, Dax. I don't know if he was getting credit for those as being a little more than a jab. You know how the stupid punch stats count a jab as a jab. If, if, if you jab Sal and knock him out, the stat would show a jab, not a power punch, even though it was enough to knock him out. You know, so uh, uh, who knows? But I, I agree, Dwechko needs to lose some weight and fight in a lower weight class because he does have the talent. He definitely does. But uh, listen, guys, uh, well, uh, Dax, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you later in the week to give us your predictions uh, on uh, the big fights this weekend, including Triple J.
1: Absolutely, you know. Before I go, you know, we have to give our condolences to the Reed family. You know, Jesse Reed Jr. passed away in Philadelphia this uh, this weekend um, when they were arriving for the uh, for the ESPN show. He had uh, passed out when he fell at the airport. From what I understand, he had a, a stroke. Uh, Jesse uh, Reed Jr. and his father had a fighter on that card. You know, Jesse was only 44 years old. You know, so our wow. condolences to the family. You know, we you know wow. for them and their and uh, you know that situation. You know, may you, uh, your grief pass quickly.
2: Thanks wow. for. Uh bringing that up for us uh dax it Uh, flew under my radar but uh dax have a good one we'll chat with you next week uh all right everybody enjoy your day later dax that's dax Khan uh straightening us out with that i i uh flew under my radar with uh with jess hey listen we're gonna take a short break when i come back i got some emails to read don't go anywhere billy
0: c will be right back part of the billy c boxing network check out billycboxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate, I hate you. I hate you. That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And where... Back, you're watching and listening to the Billy C show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, we got some emails to read, so we're going to get to those right now. Uh, first one is from our man Jesse. He says, Hey, Billy C and Sal, this was a disappointing fight for Jesse Magladano. Horrible performance. He was doing good at first, but when he got caught, he changed. And he got on his bicycle, letting Dog Bay hit him at will, not punching, missing his counters badly when he did punch, unwilling to exchange when he had the chance to, and not listening to his corner. He needs to look at this performance. Dog Bay versus Luis Neary, Daniel Roman, Ray Vargas, uh, Iwasa, Oguna, or even Emmanuel Navarrete. And uh, Jesse should fight any top 10 to 20 fighter to get back on track. He's got some other points here, but... uh, um I guess you could agree with that it was a it was a bad performance, but um I, I just think that he he wasn't prepared for this guy, Sal. I, I think that that's what it boils down to. He, it, it, all of his actions showed that he wasn't prepared. And it's like I always say, wee, wee, wee until the fight happens. and all of a sudden, where's the trainer? How come the trainer's not being held accountable? I think they lost as a team in this fight brother.
3: Well, I think you're right, but I also, I like I said, a, a year off. I mean, you you can't have the continuity, the the uh, the freshness, the 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 ability to really, you know, you take a year off from any craft, any trade. You know, you come back in and, or the ring for a championship title bout, your first fight back. You know, you're gonna have to work out some things, and uh, I, I don't care if it's your range or motion. Sure, you prepare and you spar and you try to work them out there, but it's a different thing when come championship fight night and uh, you know uh, maybe he hasn't been in that position before where he's had a year off like that but uh, like I said some fighters could do it easier than others and so I'm going to say he just has to have some more continuity and more uh, regular boxing through the course of a year. That's all. So we'll see what happens the next time out. And he should get back within the next three months.
2: It was like a couple of days over a year. But I hear what you're saying. Fighters should be fighting more often on, than, than yeah. they do. It's we a joke. We used to fight
3: every month, every what? other month. Well, that, those days crazy. are gone.
2: Those days are gone. We used to do a lot of things. That <laughs>
3: I mean, the, but you know it's so amazing is, too, even at, in the amateur days, we would fight every Friday night. Well, amateurs, the, yeah,
2: the amateurs fight way more frequently. Than oh, yeah, they the, do. But yeah. the
3: pros, I mean, I remember I would fight sometimes two fights, three fights coming up in, in, in inside a, uh, a month or two. Two fights within two weeks. Uh, you know, it, it was just you know they would book them. We'd go go to Tennessee, then we come over here. Yeah, hey, but wait this. a minute.
2: weren't you the guy that waited twenty five yeah. years plus before you fought? Come on, man. Well, come yeah, on. that's true. <laughs> five years. The next point. The I next forgot point. Forgot about that. I the, laid off that. Yeah. The next point. <laughs> the next point uh, that Jesse You're has perfect. is yeah. he says, Danny Jacobs. It was a good win. Uh, for a game, Selinsky, a uh, tough fight because Selinsky had a chin and throwing some hard, bad intention punches. Jacobs needs guys that he mentioned like Triple G, Canelo, Andre, Charlo, or Saunders. I agree with that, and uh, I, Selinsky was uh, a guy I want to see more. But Jacobs is the guy. I mean, he could. any of those guys are good for uh, Daniel Jacobs. He says uh, Jarrell Miller was a good win, but he still needs to fight somebody. I heard Andy Ruiz Jr. wants to fight him. That's a good fight. Your thoughts on him saying that he gets backlash because he's fat, but he says he trains hard and works on boxing, and they shouldn't look at his weight. Um, anytime you got more rolls than the bakery down the street, people are going to give you a hard time. Um, he he is not impressive to me at all. Jarrell Miller is a fraud in my opinion. Um, he's uh, a guy that has not fought anybody. Has nothing to do with his weight, and to suggest that he's mad at uh, Eddie Hearn or any promoter for not getting him a title shot already. This just this just goes to show you the mentality of fighters of today. And the fact that, you know, the old saying you you get out what you put into something. Today if you're if you're in the right place at the right time, you're getting a title shot, meanwhile, and this is my biggest hang up. It's not that I have anything against those particular fighters. It's the poor fighters that are working their butts off in the gym, and they're not getting the opportunity, or they're getting put in with knockout, drag out, killer fights, and come up with a loss or two, and then they lose their value. That's my problem. Those are the real fighters. You know, we talk about Philly fighters. Uh, that's why you know Philly fighters were so great because they weren't afraid to get an L. Uh, so uh, you know, unfortunately, that the game has changed. But uh, anyway. Um, Mitch has an email for us. He says, uh, uh, I got some questions. He said, uh, first and foremost, I do want to say this, that Anthony Joshua did respond to Deontay Wilder via Twitter uh, by saying, let's roll. This was uh, in a response to uh, our show where I said, uh, it's a real simple uh, thing that AJ has to do. He should accept the fight the way... Uh, Deontay Wilder presented it. Uh, in other words, um, you know, uh, just reply through an email. I mean, uh, you know, that's not a contract. It's not a challenge. But whatever. If the simpleton team of uh, Wilder wants to be treated like that, well, then that's what AJ should have done. He didn't do it. So who knows? We'll we'll see what happens. Um, Mitch says, Do you think either of these things will happen or have happened? Number one, uh, Shelly Finkel, Al Heyman, or Mark Breland came to Deontay to tell them what the game plan would be, but Deontay's uh, uh, dumbness jumped the gun by sending out the email. Um, He says, My thinking is that he wasn't intelligent enough to understand that he needed to keep quiet. Team Wilder figured he was smart enough to know that their unspoken words do not say anything was understood, but Wilder actually didn't understand because they literally didn't say it to him. Uh, What a dummy if that's the case. I don't think that they told Deontay Wilder not to say anything and then Deontay Wilder did. I think this was the plan from the get-go. I think they put the burden on Deontay Wilder because everybody that's involved in the business of boxing knows that a fighter— cannot call out another fighter and have that fighter accept and then have a fight that's made that that that, that's him it does not happen like that yes a fighter can call out another fighter and eventually the fight can be made but at some way uh some point in time that fight has to have a contract it has to have stipulations in the contract when the fight's going to be how long how much blah 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 blah. and those contracts get negotiated you do not negotiate prior to a contract being written i'm sorry it was it was a a pr move i'm i'm sorry well, i'm afraid to ask your thoughts but go ahead give I'm, me your thoughts
3: i i know what you're saying and yeah many times you'll see a fight that that is agreed upon and the dates agreed upon and everything else and then they work out the mechanics in in there um And like I said, I I said all along, I I believe in my heart of hearts that that, uh, you're going to just wake up one day and boom. It's going to be there with all the details that we need to know. But uh, I I do believe these guys are serious about getting in a ring with each other. And I do believe that they're sitting down right now knocking out and ironing out some things. Uh, Now, whether that comes to be uh, true, we're we're hopefully going to hear very soon. But I'd have to... Think, Bill, that on this level, with this much money on the line, and this much attention that this fight could draw and bring and do for the sport of boxing, that uh, come on, we gotta. May we give credit to to people to being, uh, you know, smarter than we th- actually think they are? But I think this this fight deserves the attention, the time, and everything else, and it's just part of the drama of making it, having to marinate for the fans, not so much for the fighters because they know they're gonna fight. Well. We hope so. We hope. Well, that's that's and that's that's a perfect world. I just made an assumption right there. They already know they're going to fight. We just don't know.
2: Um, The next question, uh, he says, uh, Anthony Joshua is rumored to be coming to Brooklyn, uh, or to fight on the Miller fight card. You know, to watch could this set up a WWE style I didn't see him. I didn't see him uh, in
3: attendance at all. Did you? no I didn't see him I didn't and you know what I'm sure I'm sure that the uh, commentators would have made reference to that if they saw AJ in the stands in the stands and unless he was with dark shades incognito sitting in the back row uh, he would have been right up front and uh, all eyes would have been on him and they would have made reference to that and he was not there that I could tell I didn't see him
2: yeah I uh, I'm with you I'm with you on that but uh uh, anyway, we got uh, thanks for the email, uh, Mitch. I got uh, one last email here. Um, this one's from uh, my man Rick. And he says, Hey, Billy C, I hope everything's going good with you and Sal. He says, I really enjoy the new heavyweight roundup segment. Just wish there were more American fighters to cover. The heavyweight division was much deeper when I was a kid. And that's what really got me into this sport because there were so many guys to root for and they all had good fights and good rivalries with other heavyweights. Can't deny that. You know, uh, You know, in today's world, a lot of big guys that would be heavyweights are uh, are fighting in, uh, I mean, they're playing other sports like football, basketball, et cetera. He says, as far as these two guys we have now, Joshua and Wilder, I really want this fight to happen. But the more these guys talk, the less I want to root for either of them. I support any fighter to make as much money as possibly as they possibly can. It's just not something I care to follow as a fan. It's hard to imagine guys like Tyson and Holyfield going back and forth online or posting up their diaries like a couple of high school chicks. Wilder and AJ seem to think they have reached Mayweather Pacquiao status where they can string along the public. But neither of them are really that proven, and both of their biggest wins came against forty-year-old opponents coming off long layoffs. I got news for you. Me and my man Rick have not agreed all the time. Uh, Rick, uh, not, and he's a Dolphin fan, and I've, I've, I've come <laughs> to like the Dolphins at least when I used to spend a little more time in Florida. Um, but I can't agree with his statement more than what he just said. Um, he is 100% correct and I agree with him that you know both Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are nowhere near Mayweather Pacquiao status and they have no business stringing along uh, the boxing fan and, and holding the sport hostage because unfortunately as goes the heavyweight division so goes boxing I agree with this email and I hope that uh and i also agree with the fact that why should we be subjected to their negotiations out in the open that should all be done behind closed doors and uh quite honestly real fighters make the fight happen if anthony joshua and deontay wilder truly wanted to fight each other and weren't afraid of the risk that's involved from both of them then this fight would have already been made i don't blame just the promoters i don't blame the networks i don't blame just the managers i blame the fighters first because at the end of the day sal you've said it all all along it's up to
3: them to make the fight and what you just said is uh when two fighters want to get in a ring and fight there it happens it happens and uh I want to say that I feel that these two fighters really do want to get in the ring and face each other, and it should have already been signed, sealed, delivered. However, like I said also, uh, we're getting a lot of the fluff without the stuff. This is their self-marinating period, Um, and do I think it's as big as a a Mayweather-Pacquiao? You know, eh, let's be realistic. Mayweather-Pacquiao, we know was five years too late. I mean... Uh, it still had the sizzle, It still had the pop, it still had the flare, and uh, everybody wanted to see the fight and, and anticipated what was gonna happen. Here, I'll tell you, it has similar similar remnants of of, of that kind of kind of uh, event because it is the biggest fight that we could talk about now, especially since Canelo and Triple G kind of fell through the cracks easily. Uh, so I wouldn't say maybe it's quite as big. Uh, but it does resonate high volume, and uh, I think it, it 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 can be a real mega big fight that, uh, that we as fans need to see, and we're going to be hungry to see. So uh, we'll see what happens, I hope.
2: Yeah, me too. I hope so too. Um, anyway, we have uh, – it's that time for tomorrow we got – let me just give you a heads up tomorrow – we're going to be doing our blast from the past, Vinnie Pazienza. We got Larry Hazard scheduled to, to join Love us. Vinny. I got an update on the Saddam Ali fight, which I was, which I am going to be attending, and I'm a little disappointed, but we'll talk about that. And also, I got a point about um, how boxing smokescreens us, and and I'll, I'll point it out with a fight that was announced in the female division, even though I'm not, uh, you know that following of, of the female uh, ranks anymore uh, but uh, I'll give you an example uh, of that and also in case you all were wondering the WBC has announced a secret nutritional uh, diet that you should uh, have so we'll get to that tomorrow as well uh, but first today's trivia question it's a tough one I did receive some answers but none were right so if you're the first one to answer this correctly you will win a copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. I got several other copies left to give out, so we're looking for a winner. So, if you're the first one to email me, Billy at Boxing, that's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. The same game that Alex Propali uses for our blast from the past, and we'll be using it tomorrow when we talk about Vinnie Pazienza. The uh, it's a Who Am I question. And it's a tough one. I once stopped the undefeated record of a fighter, then a week later, I beat his brother. Who am I? I once stopped the undefeated record of a fighter, then a week later, I beat his brother. Who am I? If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, you'll win your very own copy. Of the title bout championship computer game, you want to give this one a shot, Sal? Did Jack Dempsey have a brother? No. Good. Good okay. try, though. Good try. Good try. <laughs> you
3: know, I don't okay. know. I'm trying to think. Did he have a brother? But uh it's not. He's <laughs> well, not. Did the he right. have a fighting he's, brother? He's not. He's, not, he's hey, no. He that's, didn't. That's the first hint. That's a great hint because first you'd have to see what two brothers were in the same weight class or their bouts, and uh, you know you could. Argu- arguably, say maybe the Sphinx, See who the common denominator is there. Uh, you could look at um, what other brothers fought. Well, uh, let me let me, let
2: me let me let me let me throw this at you. It all depends win. not only if how many fighters had brothers, but what era. Because at one time there was a lot of brother combos, and then then yeah. that also falls under under the old how many weight classes. When there were well, eight weight it. classes, theoretically, that could be three. You know different weight classes today maybe even four so uh you know yeah, stop I'm trying it's stop. an fighter. I hey, think it's hey, a fighter hey hey stop it, giving it, out hints we're not even giving out hints <laughs> yet <laughs> hey,
3: you know i'm gonna fight this question we're gonna whittle it down. yeah gonna you're, it you're gonna it.
2: con the the right I'm answer and get it. somebody a free copy of the title hey, bout championship what's computer. over your shoulder what's yeah your shoulder? I, <laughs> yeah hey listen just uh, anybody can decipher little hints that Sal's trying to squeeze out of me. But if you're still the first one to email me, Billy at TalkingBoxing, dot com, you'll win the prize. So uh, uh, make sure you give a shot at that one. Hey, on this day in boxing history, May 1st, can you believe that we're in I May 1st? I can't believe it's May 1st. At, in, in 30 days, we're going to be halfway through the year. Unbelievable. On this day in 2004, Kelvin Davis, Kelvin Concrete Davis, knocks out Urza Sellers uh, in the eighth round to win the vacant IBF World Cruiserweight title it took place in Miami, Florida on this day. did he have a brother? In, who, Davis? No, it wasn't yeah, Howard yeah. <laughs> uh, on 2004. <laughs> on this day in 1983, Edwin Rosario wins a 12-round decision over Jose Luis Ramirez uh, to win the vacant WBC world lightweight title that took place um, in uh, uh, I don't know where it uh, took place. I can't read I can't read my own script. But uh, in any event, he won. Um, in on this day in 1982, uh, Santos Lassiar knocks out Juan Herrera in the 13th round to regain the WBA world flyweight title. Took place in Mexico. Um, on this day in 1914. Harry Wills and Sam Langford fight to a 10-round draw in their fight uh, from New Orleans, Louisiana. Several newspapers picked Langford Lankford as the winner, and several newspapers picked Wills as the winner. So uh, Harry wills, Sam Langford, a draw on this day in 1914, and on this day, May 1st, in 1957, the best ever. Sugar Ray Robinson knocks out Gene Fulmer in the fifth round uh, to regain the world middleweight title uh, that he lost to Fuller on January 2nd. That fight was in New York City, and this one in Chicago. So that's what took place on this day in 1957. Hey, man, that concludes our show uh, for today. Uh, I will tell you guys this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time Same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. (laughs)